Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you can take them out and turn to Colossians chapter 3. And also we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, so you might want to mark that, put your thumb in that one. But we're first going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Going to continue on our series, Stay on Course. As I said, there's a message outline right up there at the center doors, uh, right at the ministry counter. Do you remember your first job? Can you remember that far back? That's pretty far back for some of us, right? I remember my first job was delivering newspapers. I was 10 years old, and I walked from door to door delivering those newspapers. I had to ride my bike to someone, but I had to walk door to door. And on that paper route, I had to deal with the rain, had to deal with the wind, had to deal with the snow, had to deal with cars driving by me real close. I had to, drive, I had to ride my bike on a very busy road. I had to deal with the flat tires of my bicycle. I had to deal with the dogs chasing me, all kinds of dogs, even being bit by dogs, dealing with the grumpy people, dealing with collecting the money from the people. I, I delivered newspapers six days out of the week. Uh, back then, they didn't have a newspaper on Sunday. Not, at least the paper that I delivered did not. And, but it was only 60 cents per week. Can you imagine that? 60 cents for all week for the newspaper. And you'd be surprised how hard it was to collect 60 cents from people. They did everything they could to avoid me to pay that 60 cents. I made 3 cents per paper. So I made 18 cents per customer that I had back when I was 10 years old. But to me, that was a lot of money. You know, for a little kid, it was a lot of money. But I developed some perspective of work at a very young age. And over the years I've grown, I had new perspectives of work and, and different perspectives. And over the years, I realized that sometimes my perspective of work might be different from God's perspective of work, right? And so what we're going to do, we're going through Colossians chapter 3 and, and, and the books, some of the parts of the book of Proverbs. We're trying to find God's perspective of work and see if it aligns with our perspective this morning. Um, see, some people believe that uh, work was a result of sin. I mean, think about it. How could it not be, right? There was sin, and then work was, the, was produced because of that, right? It came after that, right? But that is wrong. That's not what happened at all. The Bible tells us that God created the world in six days. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that God created on the first day, and he said it was good. Created on the second day, said it was good. The third, fourth, and fifth day, and said it was good. Then on the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve, and he said what? It was very good, right? It was very good. In the midst of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, remember, sin did not come until Genesis chapter 3. In the midst of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God gave Adam a job. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work is not a result of sin, but work was created in God's perfect creation. He created work for us. And I believe that God was pretty excited about the work that he did in those six days of creating everything that we see. And work is good, and it's not a result of sin. But God loves it when we work. Do you realize that? He loves it when we work. And it's interesting, though, how may, we may look at work may be different than how God looks at work. And it may be. When we think, look at work, I think that we mostly think about the what. When we think of work, we're at work. We're thinking about what can I do next? What can I do my next position, Right? What's the next project? Because we're not happy with the projects we're doing now. We're not happy with the jobs that we're doing. So we're thinking about the what? Or we may think about the how sometimes, about how much I'm getting paid, right? But basically, we think about the what. And here's God. God thinks about, you know what he thinks about? He thinks about the how. And how we're working, how we're doing the job that we're doing, how we're doing it well, and we're doing it with everything that we have. How we're doing it, that's what God is concerned with. And it comes back to, we come back to Adam. We think about Adam. You see, in the midst of God's incredible creation of the world, think about that. God created everything that we see. 
And I believe that was in six literal days. God created everything. Where God says it's very good. And he says, Adam, he takes Adam, he gives Adam a job. And you might be thinking, wow, he gives Adam a job, really the first job to be given. And it's got to be a significant, it's got to be an amazing job, right, that God's going to give. Because there's no sin, there's no curse. So this has to be an incredible job that God's going to give Adam. What do we find Adam doing? What was the job he gave him? Gardening. For some of you, you might be thinking, man, that's wonderful. But for some of you, that would be horrible and terrible. Let's admit it. It would be a nightmare. Gardening, that's what he's called me to do. You think about gardening. Is that, is that all there is? Is that really significant to do that kind of work? And I know everyone in this room, you thought of that about your job. You thought about that in what you're doing. It's what I'm doing. Is it really significant? Is it really important what I'm doing? If I didn't do my job and, and the work what you're doing, would anybody really care? If, if my entire company went away, would anybody really notice? If my entire company went away, well, you feel like this lack of significance, this lack of importance, it leads to the what. We start thinking about the what, what we want to do next, what is more significant, what is more important is what we start thinking about. And God is saying, no, 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 I want you to focus on the how, how you do your work. Not on what you're doing, but how you're doing it is what he wants us to focus on. That's why we're in this series, Stay on Course, this morning. What this series is all about, that God has a mission for all of us. God has a plan for your life, and he has perspective of work. But you and I have a perspective of work, right? And sometimes, maybe very so subtly, our perspective of work might be slightly different from God's perspective of work. Even if it's just a few degrees off course, over time, that can get us away from God's mission right in our lives. It doesn't take long before we're off the mission of God. And my goal today is through the Word of God and to allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to maybe to help to identify if you and I are slightly off course on our mission with God, and that we might see that if we are, and might repent of that and confess that sin and ask God to align us with his perspective for work. Is that all right? Is that fair? That we're all going to come to that determination. Did you find Colossians chapter 3, verse 23? Everyone have that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. The apostle Paul writes, we're going to read the first three words first, so you know that. Whatever you do, stop right there. Whatever you do. The Apostle Paul didn't say, wait for your dream job. He says, no, whatever you do. That means if you're a student, if you're a middle school, high school, or college student, whatever you do. If you're a stay-at-home parent, you're raising your children, you're taking care of the house, it's whatever you do. If you have a job, it's whatever you do. If you're in retirement and, and you're figuring out what you want to do after your job and you're starting to influence other people, maybe it's your children, your grandchildren, or your great-grandchildren, he says, whatever you do is what he's saying. And Paul is talking to every one of us. And he goes on to verse 30, 23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. He says, whatever you do, put your whole heart into whatever you're doing. And the typical pushback from people when they hear that and hear this passage is, well, you don't know what I do. You don't know the work I do. You don't know my boss. And why would I put my whole heart into something like that when I, it's miserable to be around, that I can't stand it, I don't like it, I don't like it all. Why would I put my whole heart into something that's so insignificant and so unimportant that nobody even cares about? Why would I put my whole heart into that? I'll put my whole heart into my family. I'll put my whole heart into my friends, but put my whole heart into my work? You want me to put my whole heart into my work? God says, I don't say it, God says, whatever you do, it means whatever you do, put your whole heart into it. It's what he says, whatever you do. And maybe you're thinking, why? Why should I do that? He gives us the answer right there in verse 23. He says, as working for the Lord, not for men. And that's the big key right there. 
Whatever you do, you can put your whole heart into it because they said you are working for the Lord. You're not working for people. You're not working for people. Who you're ultimately working for is the Lord. Ultimately, you're working for the Lord. I know your paycheck comes from a person or a company, an organization, but your ultimate boss, your ultimate rewarder is the Lord. You understand that, right? So it says because of that, you can put your whole heart into whatever you are doing is what we can do. So students, whatever you do, whatever you do, taking tests, studying, you're doing it for the Lord. Uh, when you're a stay-at-home parent, you work for the Lord. You have a job or in retirement. Whatever you do, the Bible says, you do it for the Lord. Whatever it is, you're doing it for the Lord. He says one more why. He says now, not only because he's God and you work for him, but here's what he says, the why in verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. From the Lord, you receive a reward. From the Lord, you receive the ultimate paycheck. From the Lord, you're going to receive an ultimate inheritance, is what he says. And God is, is looking to see if you're diligent now in the how of whatever you're doing, of whatever it is you're doing, so that he can give you an inheritance later, is what he's saying. So it's, it's what you do now. It's not as important as how you do it now. That's what's important. It's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. So the significance of your job is not found in the job. It's found in how you're doing the job. Do you understand that? It's not so much God says, what you're doing doesn't matter. It's how you're doing the job that matters, that God looks at. How are you doing your job? And that's what he's, he's concerned about. Paul ends it with this, just in case you were not listening. He ends it with this in, in verse 24. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, he's saying, in your job. And whatever you're doing, your ultimate rewarder, your ultimate boss, hey, your ultimate is the Lord, is what he's saying. And that's why it's so easy for you and I to get off course, and it's hard to stay in course, because on Monday morning, even though tomorrow morning you won't be driving to work, you probably have July 4th off, most people do. But on that day, you're driving into work, and you're going into work, and you're pulling the parking lot of your job, and you see that Maybe in your mind, it's that miserable workplace, that miserable environment with that miserable boss and those miserable co-workers. This verse is probably not going through your mind, is it? You're not thinking about this verse at all. And so God has a mission for us. And maybe if we're a little off course in our minds and our hearts, just a couple degrees off course at this morning, when I come to God and say, God, yes, I'm off course and my thinking is not right, that I might confess it, repent of what I'm doing and get on course with God. Get on course with this mission, right? That's what we need to do. So the book of Proverbs is amazing to help us to do that and understand how to work. Now, if you have your outlines ready, I want to give you two truths concerning work. The first one is this. God desires us to work, whether we realize it or not. He desires us to work. At all ages, He desires us to work. It may not be employment by an employer, but He desires us to work. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. Proverbs 24 through 27 says this. You find that? Proverbs 24, 27. It says, finish your outdoor work. And that sounds great, right? It's beautiful outside. Who doesn't want to be outside right now? It's great, nice out there. But let's go on and read it. It says, verse 27, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Don't you love the book of Proverbs? It says things in such unique ways. And sometimes you would ask, what does that mean? What does he talking about? Three key words there. Finish, ready, build. You might want to underline it. Finish, ready, build. Finish something. He says, get your fields ready and then complete it. What he's talking about, just don't be busy, but be productive. Complete the projects. Complete it, finish it, build it, ready it. The idea is just not being busy, 
but be productive. That's what he said. I want you to be productive. Just don't be busy. All, we all like to say, everyone has this idea that they're busy. You ask someone, oh, I'm so busy. We all say that, even if we're not. But oftentimes we're busy because we're mismanaging our time, right? People don't manage their time very well. I mean, one of the reasons, because we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. I'm trying to make sure if I, we have texting, we have phone calls, we have looking up on the internet, we have all kinds of things. And we're busy with all those things, even while we're working many times. But are we busy in a productive way? That's what matters. Are we busy in a productive way? We're all busy, but are we productive? That's what the Bible's talking about. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Go over a couple chapters. Proverbs 21, verse 5. says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. The diligent leads to profit. What does that mean? What I believe it means is what he's saying, you have to complete your job to earn a profit. You have to produce a product in order to earn a profit. You can't complete 70% of your job and expect to earn a profit, right? It means to be productive, complete, to finish is what he's talking about. How do you assess work? How do you evaluate your work? The question I would ask you is who worked first? And most time when we think about that, we say, well, Adam was the first one that worked, right? God gave him a job, he worked. But who worked before Adam? Didn't God work before Adam? Wasn't God the first worker? He's the first one to work. Did God evaluate his work product? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. How many say yes? Okay, yes. God did evaluate his work product. After his creation, he looked at his work and he said, it is good. It is very good. He assessed his work product and he evaluated his work product. And he said to say, this is of excellent value, what he was saying. It's done in excellence. The outcome of the product is, is done in excellence, what he's saying. If God evaluated his product, you and I need to evaluate our work product too, don't we? God evaluated his. Is your work product of excellent quality, would you say? That you look at your work product, excellent quality. Not only did the Father, Son, and, 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 G, and the Holy Spirit create the world, but when Jesus came to the earth, he worked. Did he not work when he came to this earth? John chapter 4, verse 34 said this. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is talking about completing the work of salvation, completing and, and finishing it. And you know, the night that Jesus was arrested, he had a mock trial. Uh, they, they tried him, they convicted him, and he was put up on a cross. And as his dying breath up on the cross, he said, what did he say? It is finished, is what he said. Jesus finished the work for our salvation. He, he finished all the work upon the cross. He went 100% of the way. He didn't go 90% of the way. He didn't go 95% of the way, but he went 100% of the way. And let me tell you why that's good news. Because faith alone in Christ alone saves, right? And the only reason I can say faith alone in Christ alone saves, because Jesus did everything. He finished the work, was 100% completed by Jesus. He completed the task. He finished it all, right? He did it all. He finished the work. And all we simply have to do is you and I is believe that who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, that he's God, and what he did, that he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried and raised on the third day, that's the good news. And we have to put our faith and trust in that. That's the good news. But Jesus finished the work for us so we can have salvation, so we can have a relationship with God, so we can have a hope and eternity to be with him forever and ever, right? So how productive are you supposed to be at your work? And the normal reaction is, 
well, he's God and I'm not. That's a good answer, right? Because you're not God, right? You're, you're not God. And the other thing that people like to say, and I, I love to hear when people say that, you know I'm not perfect. You ever hear anybody say that? Well, you know I'm not perfect. You know you don't have to say that because we know you're not perfect. None of us are. But people love to say that. They love to say, and it always gets me. Why would someone say that? Because we know you're not perfect. None of us are perfect, but people like to say that. To what degree do we have to be productive? There's another great proverb out there. It's called Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. And it says this, the lazy man does not roast his game. Simply that. And what does that mean? Here's the idea. The lazy man wasn't too lazy to go out and went out and caught his game. We have any hunters here, you like to go out and catch your game. But the lazy man wasn't too lazy to go out and catch his game. He's productive enough to catch the game, is what the Bible's saying. But when it came home, he was too lazy to cook his game. That's what he was. He caught his game, but he was too lazy to kind of clean it and cook his game. So how do we apply that to our lives today? How can we apply that? Putting your full heart into your work reflects Christ. Everything we do reflects Christ. Putting your full heart into it. It reflects Christ to your bosses, to your co-workers, to your clients, to your patients. It reflects Christ. And whatever we do, how we work reflects Christ. When you and I produce a work product, people evaluate not only the work product, but they evaluate the worker, right? Any supervisors or managers here? When you look at someone's work product, you also evaluate the worker, don't you? And you might look at that person and say, oh, he's incredible, or she's amazing. And look at his, say, what happened to him? What's going on here? His work product isn't that good. So the question is, does your work product reflect the character that God has put in you? Does your work product reflect the, the God who has excellence in his work? Where he said it's good, it's very good. Is that kind of work that you're, put, that you're producing? That's the kind of work that God calls us to do. Do your bosses and your supervisors, they look at your work product and they say about you, excellent work product. You finished it, you built it, you completed it. It is of good value. That reflects Christ to other people when we work like that. And that's what we're supposed to do. If we're Christians, we're supposed to reflect Christ in everything that we do. And the apostle Paul says, whatever you do, give it your full. Whatever you do, so people can see Christ in you. It's not about the bosses and all those. The second truth concerning work this is a good one. God promises are for those who work hard. God's promises are for those who work a godly work, work ethic. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. You can either write it down or you can go to that real quick. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. It says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. A simple idea, this is a simple idea and a kind of principle. Put yourself in the pathway of blessing, what it's talking about. That you put yourself in the pathway of blessing. If you want to be blessed by God, you've got to put yourself in the pathway of blessing. Right? So how do you do that? What do you do? If you want God's blessing in your marriage, what do you do? You do the things according to the principles of God for marriage, right? That's what we do. So you go into, look in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and other passages of Scripture that talk about marriage. And, and you just do those things. And when you do those things, you put yourself in the pathway of God's blessing for your marriage is what you do. So if you want your, God's blessings for your work, you say, I want God, my, God's blessing for my work, you put yourself in the pathway of God's blessings for your work. How do you do that? What does that mean? work with all your heart, whatever you do. 
You give it all that you've got. You finish the projects. You be productive. Put yourself in the pathway of God's blessing is what you do. What it is is you be obedient to the Word of God. It's so many times that people say, boy, I want God's blessing in my life, but they refuse to be obedient to His Word and what He says for you to be doing right there in what you're doing. They say they're over here and they're living their life their way, doing their own thing, not being obedient to God, but then they're asking God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. And God says, first live for me here, and then I will bless what you're doing here. It starts with you and I being obedient in what we're doing with all of our hearts and minds, right? That's what we want. Want God's blessing. I got to work with all my heart and mind, and God promises, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. In an organization or, or business, often do you see employees doing their job, but they're distracted. They're distracted because they're thinking about their next position. They're thinking about the what. Or they're distracted by their phones, texting, Facebook, Look, looking on the internet, Twitter, all those kind of things. How can you give your full effort at your job when you're distracted by looking at the next spot you want to be in? You can't, right? You can't. You can't give your full heart unless you embrace where you are right now. And that's what God is asking. Whatever you do, whatever it is that you're doing right now, work at it with all your heart and not for men, not for people is what he's saying. Embrace what you have. Give him the how right now. Give him the how. Do it with all your heart. Stop thinking about the what so much and give him the how with all your heart. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, you don't know my boss. You don't know my workplace. You don't know my, my coworkers. You don't know what we do. You don't know the culture of the business. You have no idea what we're doing. It's too difficult. If God wanted me to work like that, he would put, make it easier and put me in a better workplace. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. Write this down verses 17 through 19. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. This is what God says about work after the fall in the garden. He says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, the Bible says. When sin came in Genesis chapter 3, and, there's, and God had a consequence for sin, it impacted work. It impacted the ground. And work is good, but sin has a consequences for that. And you look at it, and he says, let me remind you why everything is, can go so well at your workplace, but it, even though God created it's good, why is it so difficult to do the things of God? You ever think about that? It seems so difficult to do the things of God at my workplace and other things. It's because work became difficult after sin, after the fall, became difficult. Because of the word toil is used there. The word toil is implying the challenge, the difficulty, the exhaustion, and the struggle. Work is still good, but man has to expect it by the sweat of their brow is what it's saying. You have to expect it's going to be hard work. Even though everything go positively at work, your workplace, even though it can go well, after you till the soil, the Bible says, there's still going to be thistles and thorns. And any farmers here, you know that. You can till the soil, still those thistles and all those other things are going to come up. The thorns are going to come up. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be struggles in working. There's going to be frustration at working. It's going to be difficult. And don't think I'm up here sharing this because I don't know. Years ago, I used to work at a factory. I was a tool and die maker. I was a welder. You may not know. And I also supervised a, a plant. So I know how difficult it is to work in those plants. I know the difficulty. And God is not surprised by your bosses. God is not surprised by your coworkers. God is not surprised by your attitude. He says, regardless of your circumstances, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God will give you the grace that you can do it with all of your heart. That's what he promises. 
is I'll give you the grace to do it. But how can we get there? You say, how can I get to that point? How can we accomplish what God wants us to accomplish? If you have your outline, two applications concerning work. I've kind of shared those, but these are the kind of secret how I can apply it to my workplace. The first one, work with all of our heart for the Lord and not for humans. And it sounds kind of, kind of good. But this is how we transcend circumstances today at our workplace and be able to give all of ourselves to what we're doing in that very moment. That's how we're able to do it. I can transcend, and I can be right where I'm at, and I can work with, with my full heart. I know God knows it's challenging where you work at. He understands it. But God never asks you to do anything that, without his grace. He's promised his grace. Our attitude is not dependent on the horizontal. Our attitude is not dependent upon the company, your bosses, your coworkers. Our attitude is dependent upon the vertical, on God, right? That's what it's dependent upon, upon him. That's what our concern is. Not about here. God says that we're working for him, not for that boss, not for that company we don't like, not for those other people that work around us. Working for him. That's where we work. So here's the question. Remember when I said that we often think about the what, you know, what we're going to do next. We often think about that versus God wants us to think about the how, how we're working at it with all of our hearts. Let me ask you, can you trust God with the what? right now in your workplace, for your future jobs, for your future promotions inside that organization, or your future job in some other place that he may call you to, company or organization? Can you trust God with the what while you embrace the how right now? That you embrace the how. Can you trust him? Can you trust your creator? Who created you? Wasn't it God who created you? Who designed your inward part? who made you, who knows you. He, he knows every thought you have. He knows every desire you have. He knows what makes you passionate. He knows what it is. He knows everything about you. Can you trust that God with the what? Who made you? Who created you? Can you trust God with the what when you realize he's the one that gifted you? He's the one that gave you your gifts and your abilities and the skill set that you have. He's the one that gave you the, the mind and the mental capacity. He's the one that gave you the physical strength that you can do the things that you do. He gave you all those things. He's the one that gave them to you, not someone else. Can you trust God with the what while you embrace how you work, that you work with all your heart right now? Can you do that? Can you embrace God with the what when you realize that he's the one directing your pathway? He's the one that is guiding you, that he sent mentors alongside of you, that you didn't get where you are by yourself. Do you realize that? None of us got to where we are by ourselves, but people have invested you. Businesses have, bosses have given you opportunities. Businesses have given you a shot inside of their company. They've done that for you. They've helped you. They've encouraged you. They've taught you. They've given you opportunity that you wouldn't have. And God guided that each and every step. So can you trust God with the, with the what? Because God's thoughts are higher and his ways are higher than our ways. That God's plan is better than our plan. Do you believe that? That God's plan is better than our plan? It ultimately comes down to the question is this. Do you trust God more than you trust yourself? Do you? See, do you trust him more? Do you trust your plan for your job trajectory? Or do you trust God for it? For it? See, you can trust God with the what, your position in the organization or your next organization. Or you can embrace the, the how right now and do the job with all your heart. The second application concerning work is this. Work with all of your heart for the inheritance that the Lord will give you later. Work with all of your heart for the inheritance that the Lord will give you later. It's not limited to later, but it can be now. Whenever you walk in the pathway of God's blessings and obedience, God draws you closer. When we're walking, say, God, I, I, want, I want to be in the blessings of your obedience. He, he is more intimate with you uh, uh, in fellowship. You realize that his presence is around you. 
the Holy, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit gives you the strength and the knowledge. He blesses the things you're doing. He's embracing you. He's right there. He's making himself known to you. You're aware of his love and his grace and his mercy. You're aware of his presence because you fixed your eyes upon Jesus, right? You fixed your eyes upon him and you want to glorify him. And you're trusting him with the what? All those other things are going to come in the future. You're trusting him. And you're giving him your whole heart. You're living for him. So you got your eyes fixed on him. The Bible says that when you do that, that God will bless you later also with an inheritance one day. That inheritance that he's talking about in heaven one day. Every one of us will have to stand before Jesus, stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. That's for believers. Every one of us is going to be given account for the work that we've done while in the body since we've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior with the work that we've done. We're going to have to give an account of that. And Jesus will, will evaluate the work that we've done. And he'll look at, was, was it done? Did he, he'll evaluate with our faithfulness. He'll evaluate it with, was it done with all of our heart with the right motive? He's going to evaluate the work we've done. And the work that meets the test by faith will survive, but the work that was distracted by the what is going to be burned up. It's not going to survive. And so you can work for 90 years with the focus on those 90 years, or you can work with the focus on the 90 billion years of eternity. It's up to you what you're going to focus on. Which is more important for you to work for? Is it more important for you to work for the man or for the company to get a pat on the back, to maybe get a raise or a bonus? And, and, and is that what you care for, is the approval of men? Are you working for God, for the Lord? And you want to hear at the end of your life where God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who are you working for? What we do now and how we do it now and how we work with all of our heart builds our resume for the kingdom. What we're doing now builds our resume for the kingdom. And so we are called to do whatever you do, he says, work at it with all of your heart. Whatever you do, right where you're at, not when I get over here, right where you're at, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Why? Because God said, you're working for me. You're serving me. Don't worry about your boss. Don't worry about your coworkers. Don't worry about the company. You're serving me. And I thought there was no one better to give us an example of that as we get ready for a communion than Jesus, right? Jesus who came to do the work of salvation. He came to do the work for us. He demonstrated us how to work. That he gave his whole heart to God through his work, right? He did his work and gave him everything he had to the Lord as he carried out his work in finishing his work that God had called him to do. He did that by going to the cross and he stretched out his arms and died on the cross for our sins. He died for our sins that you and I could have an inheritance. And now that we have an inheritance because that Jesus finished the work, right? That's the only reason we have an inheritance. He finished it. He completed it. He did it all, 100% of it. And we're so thankful for that. So today we remember the work of Jesus upon the cross, that he completed the task, that Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day, right? He finished the work. He completed it. He did everything that was necessary for salvation. Everything was necessary to have forgiveness of sins. Everything necessary for you and I to go to heaven was accomplished by Jesus on that cross and through his resurrection. Everything that we need, he finished and completed. We're so thankful to, to him. So today, as we take communion, we think of Jesus. As we take the elements, remember that Jesus gave his body and Jesus shed his blood. And he did that for you and I so that we can have a future inheritance with him. So we can have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus and have a future home to be with Jesus forever and ever. And he did that for you, that he stretched out his arms and he died for you. And today we remember that work that he did. 
And today is also a time for you and I, the Bible says, and I don't remember Jesus, that he gave his body and he shed his blood, but it's an opportunity for you and I to examine our own hearts and minds and say, God, am I living for you? And since we're talking about work, is my perspective of work, God, in line with your perspective? Not that God's perspective is in line with mine, but mine has to be in line with his. His is what matters, right? Am I just a little off course from God today? And if we are, all we have to do is confess and say, God, my perspective has been wrong. I've been upset with my work. I've been upset that I didn't look at it. I'm working for you, that I get back on course with you and get back on mission with you, God that we just confess that we do that today. And, and, and communion gives us a time that we unite as brothers and sisters in Christ, but we also unite with God and confess our sin and get ourselves right as we remember Jesus and all he did for us upon that cross, right? 